welcome to episode six of Reading Beyond the Lines, a Kilvington Grammar podcast for English and literature students, um, but also an invitation to the wider community to listen in and um, find out uh, how we go about what we do here at Kilvington. Um, in this episode, Miss Rontovich is going to talk to three of our Year 12 students about um, approaches to argument analysis and she's going to field some questions from students about the best approaches to the upcoming argument analysis sack. Enjoy. So I'm here with Joanne, Kate and Ollie and we are going to discuss how we're going to prepare for the argument analysis sack that is coming up shortly, but also any questions that you have about how to write an argument analysis essay. So Kate, ask away. So my first question is, how do we know what to analyse, as in how do we be selective with which parts of the text we actually are analysing in our response? Okay, so when you break up your response into different sections, Each section has a specific argument and when you choose the evidence for that argument, you have to make sure that actually applies to what the author is saying. So, for example, if the argument is one about why children should play sport, the evidence and the language that you're going to look for within that particular section will be about why children should play sport. So you want to pick that sort of evidence. So be selective in terms of making sure that the idea that is expressed in the section actually applies to the um, evidence that you have chosen. Okay, so you don't need to talk about every little detail in the text. Otherwise, it's going to be an essay that's going to sound like a summary. You need to make sure that you pick evidence that is specific to the point that you're analysing, okay? It's like a teal essay, like a text response essay where you, you know, have your argument in your paragraph and then the evidence that you choose. You can't select everything from the text, but the evidence that you do choose is going to be relevant to the argument that you are talking about. Perfect, okay. Joanne. Yes, my first question is, how do you identify the sections of the article, such as the introduction, body and closing? Okay, so when you identify each section, the opening, the bodies and the closing, it all depends on tone. Okay, so it also depends on those, you know, powers of persuasion, your ethos, pathos and logos. So you're looking for elements that relate to those areas. Usually an opening will be a little bit more emotive. So it's trying to connect with the audience. It's trying to make the audience, you know, appeal to them in terms of their values and emotions. Okay. So, you know, in a way, you've got to think about the strategies that are used. Then it will shift. And sometimes you have an opening that could only be really short. And that's okay because you write one what, how, why for that. And then you move on to talk about your body. Usually when it moves from the opening to the body, it then moves to a more sort of logical approach. The tone changes. So you've got to get used to trying to hear that sound when you're reading it. Where does it go from being emotive to logical? Where does it go from being... Um, logical again to emotive 
Okay, so you've got to look for those shifts. Sometimes it goes from being a point about one argument. So, for example, if we're looking at, um, you know, sport, that sporting one, it can go from being about the benefits of sport in terms of physical benefits, and then it can shift to another argument looking at the health benefits in terms of mental health benefits. And so if you can see that shift, that's a new body paragraph. Okay, so that's a new argument. So you're looking for those shifts. Usually the closing presents a sort of solution to the issue. So what is the writer trying to say that we need to do or the audience needs to do, not us specifically, but the audience needs to do to resolve that issue that he's talking about or they're talking about? Okay, so it's like looking for separate arguments, but then if you can't find that, think about how does it go from maybe tone? When does it shift from one tone to the next tone? And when it does that, there's your next point. Yeah, thank you. Does it make sense? Yeah. Ollie. Um, in our, when we're writing our arguments, do we need to incorporate like tone? And if so, like where does this fit within your argument analysis? So I would never mention tone in the um, introduction Mm -hmm. because an article can have many tones. So if you start listing tone in your introduction, you'll be doing that until Christmas and you don't have that much time. But tone should be presented in your topic sentence when you're saying that there is a shift in argument. And then when you talk about that tone, you'll mention it within your body paragraph as well and you'll say what language is used in there as part of your what, how, why is part of your what and your how. So what language is used to reflect that tone, okay? And you pick certain words or phrases as your evidence to suggest that. So if you're saying the writer is being um, assertive, what words is he using to indicate that he's assertive and that becomes your part of your what and how. Yep. Okay. Any other questions? Yep, I've got another question. Yep. Um, can we still talk about language techniques without it sounding like the old study design? Absolutely, you do. And that's part of your how section in your what, how, why analysis. So you still mention the language technique, but don't mention it as like a noun. Don't label it. But you still need to identify how the writer uses language in order to have an impact on the audience and support his intention. So in other words, don't go labeling techniques like you're going shopping and, you know, we don't want to you saying the writer uses a rhetorical question that makes the reader question it in his head. We hate that. We also hate inclusive language when you label that. The writer uses inclusive language when he says, quote, we. Yeah, we know that. That's really obvious. But what's the impact of that? So instead of labeling it like a noun, you'd probably just describe it as what the writer is doing. So you would say the writer is questioning the audience to think about something okay or the writer is um being inclusive of his um audience when he appeals to their national pride um so try and change the vocab that you use around language so it's not just about identification it's more about describing the language and the language that is powerful for the writer to use Thanks, Kate. Thank you. My next question is, 
How do you navigate articles that mostly quote information from other sources and I can't identify a clear contention? There aren't many articles like that. It means that they're not very persuasive, okay? But there'd probably be articles that are like that, that are just using a lot of information to present different types of argument on that. So you'll have a lot of statistics and facts and that sort of research material, but each part of that research material is a different idea. So it could be, like I said before, health benefits um, in terms of physical, health benefits in terms of mental, then it could be maybe ethics. So you can break it down in terms of argument and those ideas that are expressed from it. And so if it is a more of a sort of factual opinion piece, it's probably broken down into arguments that way without using any sort of emotion to it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ollie. Um, my final question is how does like an individual improve like their audience statements because they're pretty important? Do, do not write makes the audience want to read on, makes the write, reader want to think, makes the reader see that the writer knows what they're talking about. Don't use those sort of statements. They drive us nuts, okay? We look at the paper and we want to, like, scrunch it up and throw it in the bin, but we don't. But one way of doing it is to actually just go, well, who is the audience? It could be the government. It could be the reader. It's never asking the audience to do anything in terms of reading on. So you have to think about that reader's, the writer's, sorry, overall intention what is their overall intention that you've identified in, the, in your introduction? Once you've done that, think about what is asking them to do along the way to get to that overall intention. So it might be that he wants the government to take responsibility for something. He wants them to be more proactive in um, engaging with sports activities in local communities. He might want the council to take responsibility to, you know, provide better facilities. So think about what the argument is. Like you do in a whole essay where you identify a whole contention, you're thinking about, well, this is the language that's used to look at this particular argument to make the audience react in this way. Who could that stakeholder be? If you can't identify a stakeholder, think about the audience itself and their values. So if you've got like a progressive audience or a conservative audience, their values are different. How is it appealing to them? And what would it want them to, how would it want them to respond? Yep. But don't be vague. Okay. Link it back to what the text is actually talking about. So use keywords from the text or use those ideas that are presented in the text. But again, think about values. Gotcha. Do you? <laughs> Any other questions? Okay, my final I know question Joanne had one. <laughs> how do you vary the structure of what, how, why statements? You just need to be a little bit confident in it because you don't want it to sound like you're being, you know, formulaic in your response. You got what, how, why, what, how, why. You can look at it as why first. So you can say, you know, the... Um, the parents are encouraged to, you know, support their children further by, you know, taking them to sports. As the writer suggests, when they um, include 
their own example of their child not wanting to do it. Okay, so you can swap it around. So you start with audience first and then you can do your what and your how. Okay, and then you can shift again to your what and your how and then end with the why. But that can all be joined together. They don't need to be separate sentences. They don't need to be, um, you know, one what sentence, one how sentence and one why sentence. You can make it one small sentence. Okay, so it's practice and seeing how it works for you. But you can change them around so it doesn't sound like you're just listing what, how, why's. Okay? Yeah. And you can do as many as you want per paragraph, but we suggest maybe two at, you know, or you, if it's a smaller paragraph, you got one, but don't do any more than you have to. Be like the first question that Kate asked, be selective. Any other problems or concerns about argument analysis that you need to get off your chest? I think that's all. Yeah, not that I can think of. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for answering. Good luck. Yeah.